there, and welcome to Isometric, a gaming podcast from a different perspective. I'm Steve Lubitz, and I am here, with, as always, with Head of Development at Giant Space Cap, Rihanna Wu. How you doing, Bree? I have an opening statement. Oh, no, no. <laughs> okay. I, I'll, 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 I, rec- I recognize the, uh, the, the woman from, from Boston, Massachusetts. Okay. Um, okay, so this is my opening statement. I, Brianna Wu, did not choose my uh, words carefully. In a brief time for episodes 1 through 32 of Isometric, I was unnecessarily indiscreetly loquacious towards my co-host, <laughs> Georgia Dow, and I deeply regret the error. These periodic outbursts of disrespect must be terminated by I, myself, here on the Isometric podcast. Georgia, please don't hurt my family, or, or, or Frank, or me. And Canada is awesome. Why are you doing this? <laughs> because I played because I played Shadows of Mordor. I find like you you've been talking on the show for weeks about playing Shadows of Mordor. Yeah, I put it in there. And I don't know what I'm expecting. I didn't think it would be like like a a a, a sunshine simulator. I didn't. But it a is the most simulator. violent Violent, violent game I've ever played in my life. Like you are, you are stabbing orcs viciously about the head and neck, and occasionally deta- decapitating them. Yeah, and decapitating them. And then I keep like, as I'm like, like seeing this violence, I keep hearing this voice in my head. It's Georgia Dow's voice, and it's going, "I'm freeing them from their suffering." And I'm like, "Oh my god, that's so crazy." That's so crazy. What have I gotten myself into? So that's oh why I'm apologizing. This is why we keep Georgia at a safe distance oh, in Canada. Right. That's, I mean, look, I'm writing Obama. If you're listening to this, do not let Georgia into America. <laughs> Obama does listen to the show. So, yeah. Right. Yes, right. yes, definitely. Right. I, I'm Don't. sure he does. Keep America safe. We, we also have assistant games editor at Pace Magazine and, and witness to this madness, uh, Maddie Myers. How you doing, Maddie? I'm doing pretty good. I am waiting for Bree to finish playing Shadow of Mortar so she can lend it to me, but now I'm completely terrified. So, Bree, take take your sweet time with that murder game, and I will check it out in time for our goatee show, but I am already worried about it. Whatever. I'm, I'm, I think I'm hardcore enough for this. I think I can play a murder simulator, Jack Thompson style. I think I can do Just- this. Just in case we never speak again, I just wanted to let you know doing the show with you is a pleasure. <laughs> just in case Georgia in case. decides that she needs to end our suffering one right. day. Free us from our suffering. Free us right, from right, our right, suffering. Right, right. It's liberate very benevolent. Us. She's going to liberate us yes. in a way. <laughs> so so I suppose I should I should introduce a psychotherapist by day, senior editor from imore.com by night, and uh, orc murder enthusiast Georgia Dow. How you doing, Georgia? I'm being kind to them. <laughs> Are you? Sometimes. What? The most the, there's there's kind moments in this game. Okay. No. no. I, I'm gonna need no. you to formulate the uh, top ten kind moments in Shadow of Mordor for me. Okay. One. One. You can actually just bring them over to be your friends. Really? Happy. Happy. Friendly. Friendly love moments in this game. No. Are you sure you haven't been no. playing Animal Crossing by accident? Yeah, what? This is the first I'm hearing that there is a friendship mechanic in Shadow of Mordor. There is a friendship what? mechanic. This is a this is a game Canadians will love. 
there is there is these are box quotes right here i hope the developers are listening <laughs> this to this is it this is like it's like star trek you know we went from our our vicious time and then we go into like the next generation and help <laughs> this is the complete opposite i feel like i'm getting a completely opposite perspective on this game from yeah. it's it's what everybody else in the universe has told me about the game and then there's what georgia dow has told me and i just don't know who to believe it could be that George is just playing this game very, very differently than everybody oh, else. Oh, I think that's clear. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to crack that code, but I'm intrigued by it. Uh, we got to get that on Twitch, whatever she's doing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we should probably talk about video games before Georgia starts driving. What do you want to talk about, to- Georgia? Like, what do you want to talk about this week? That's fine. I'm 100% behind you. <laughs> What do you want to talk about? <laughs> Georgia runs the show now. It's a very unexpected turn of events. It'll, it'll just be a whole show of like Mario coins just for Steve. Okay, and that one fine. person. No. Just Mario I, coins. I, 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 I love, I love uh, distorted Mario coins. Oh, They're fantastic. We all love it. I love That's it more right. than anyone. I love it. No, no. I love it the most. Don't no, I me. do. I do. Don't go back and listen to check that. <laughs> they sound, they sound oh. like heaven in our headphones. I can't wait until the next Mario coin is played directly into my ears. I just, this is, can you imagine if this was somebody's first episode of Isometric? They would have no idea what we were talking about. They'd be like, Mario coins? <laughs> what are they saying? Can we talk but, about so, something that will make sense to this uh, hypothetical listener? Why should we start now, is my uh, question. Well, because, <laughs> I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. I want to know, did the person that complained about the Mario coin from last week, did they actually uh, write back this week about how I played it just for them? I, I, I think we lost that listener. I, I'm pretty sure. No, I'm pretty sure that you you've scared them into submission, Georgia, with your uh, with, I think they listened to the last episode and they heard uh, your your opinions and missives about uh, Oryx and Shadow of Mordor. And they decided that that was that was not a fight worth fighting. <laughs> like they're dead or to kill them yeah the, the chat room has gotten super dark and also somebody wrote that this is their first episode and i oh, feel no. sorry for that is person it really? but is it hey, really have they left yet hey coil 780 i'm really sorry that this is your first time listening to the show but welcome well, common. it's Bienvenue. really friendly this is like this is a it's a friendly show and this is what it sounds like just in case you you don't already know there we oh go. Oh my was, god! I wasn't was expecting you to actually do it, but it you was did. actually worse than usual. I mean, better than usual. I'm at better than usual. It was actually usual. the great. best that it's ever been. It's great. <laughs> it's great. I, I have a puppy. I'll have a puppy soon. Don't hurt my puppy. Yeah, Bree's getting a puppy. That's a cute little puppy. Did you see my puppy? That I puppy did. That is puppy adorable. is so cute. I will be driving. I love the name. Like, when people get listen to this episode, I will be in the car driving back from Indiana to adopt that puppy. Aww. Because I, because I, I saw that puppy and I fell in love with that puppy. And I'm willing to drive 14 hours to go get Aww. that puppy. I mean, wouldn't you? Yes. Yeah. Right. I mean, so, I'm terrified of dogs, and I would probably drive 14 hours to get that puppy. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I totally so, get that. So, my new dog's name is going to be Splat. I love that. So, That's the greatest name. Isn't so that a great name? I love that name. It's going to be great. I'm excited to meet Splat. 
Yeah, you will. You will. I mean, assuming it's all okay for the Wu family, but, you know, I'm sure it will be. <laughs> so anyway, there is a topics list that we oh, haven't yeah. touched yet. Georgia, but... could, would it be okay with you if we, we started the show? Is that okay? Please. Okay. <laughs> Steve, she wants us to start the show. Uh, so why don't we start with a non-contentious topic and talk about console exclusives again? Because that's that'll certainly uh, make sure that we keep uh, George's blood cold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cold. Great. I'm warm-blooded. So, I'm not a reptile. You're not a reptile. No, cool. no. I don't. I don't want your no. blood boiling. Is what I don't no. want. No. Oh, you're you're great. You're, you are you are not anything like that anaconda that tried to eat the guy on on national television. Did you see that? Did you see that? I watched. Stop that. changing that the topic. So... We're talking about console exclusives. No, the anaconda okay. thing was such a letdown. I was hoping to see someone. No, this makes me sound worse. You set me up. <laughs> you set yourself up. All I want to do is talk about Street Fighter V, and for some yes. reason, we're not talking about Street Fighter V, and I'm just going to sit here until we do. So, so okay. okay so, so those of you that don't know, like Street Fighter V is going to be a PlayStation exclusive, and my first impulse when I heard about that is, yes, I bet on the right fight stick. Like, that, was my, that was my one thing. And I, I got to like, oh. get a new one either way, though, because I have a 360 fight stick, which is last generation, and I've had it for a while. So I'm going to have to buy one for my PS4. <laughs> I'm hoping because Skullgirls patched the, the PS3 stick to work with their game, I'm hoping that they'll do that, but we all know they won't. Yeah, they won't. I'm okay with it, though, show. because I I got the stick a while ago, and I'm, I've am i already accepted that it's time to get a, another one, but it's okay. Yeah, I mean, everything is expensive. Everything in the world is expensive. I have chosen the most expensive hobby ever, video games. Well, I mean, you could be racing motorcycles, so that, you know, that would be a little bit more expensive. That would also probably be more Sailboats. socially acceptable. Yeah. No. So- wow. So uh, there were a bunch of announcements this weekend between the uh, the Game Awards, which was apparently going on while we were recording the last episode. And thank you to those of you who tuned in live here instead of watching that. But uh, between that and the PlayStation experience that was going on in Las Vegas this weekend. And one of the things that came out is that Street Fighter V is a thing and that it is going to be exclusive to PS4 and PC. And not they came right out. And said, not only is it going to be exclusive to PS4, but this is not a timed exclusive. This is a a forever exclusive, and they're not making it for Xbox. And apparently, as as you would expect, the the response from the internet is pretty much what you would expect from something like that. Um, This also came the same weekend that we got a little bit more news about the new Tomb Raider game, which is had been rumored. I don't even know if it was actually officially announced that it was going to be a timed exclusive. But it was rumored to be a time exclusive, and then it came out this weekend that not only that Microsoft is actually going to be publishing it, not Square Enix, which makes the possibility of getting a port to PlayStation Four extremely unlikely. So I guess we come back to the discussion of why this is happening and whether this is a good thing or a bad thing again. <laughs> We've had this conversation before, though. We have, we have, yeah, yeah. And, and with it, with respect to this uh, this exact game, but now we have it. We it seems like this is becoming that that was an outlier when it was announced over the summer, and now this seems like it's possibly becoming more of a trend uh, with some very big name games coming out and picking a side. 
Can I tell you guys a, a magical story about mm-hmm. a time long ago? So once upon a time, there were there were two systems, and they were called the Super Nintendo and the Sega Genesis. And what was amazing is you had to bet on every game. Like, every game was a console <laughs> exclusive. And it's like you basically couldn't play any of the games on the other side. And you actually had to go spend $150 to buy the other system. So you'd have like both of them. So I don't know. I'm sorry, but I started playing video games in the 90s. It has never been easier to play more consoles, like more games, no matter what console you have. Like generally speaking, most games come to multiple consoles. So, you know, the truth is like there was a a friend of mine who's a developer and she was having a thread like, should I get a a PS4 or an Xbox, uh, you know, Xbox One? And the truth of the matter is both are fine systems both are pretty much the same. Um, you know, we can like magnify these differences in in UI or like PlayStation Plus versus XBL, you know, Xbox Gold. You know, like we can magnify these small differences, but generally speaking, these game they're they're both fine consoles. You're not gonna regret buying. So what they're understandably doing to like make the differences between these systems more more stark is their Microsoft is going out and getting exclusives and PlayStation is forcing to come to compete with that. And I mean, this is this is business. And, you know, it probably sucks for the consumer. But, you know, this is just reality. And it's, it's ultimately, it's what makes money for the console developers and the, you know, the game developers. I I don't even know that it I mean, I, I think there are people who are upset. But I think it's kind of one of these things where it's probably better for them in the end anyway. Because, Why? I mean, we've just better had... Better for whom, Steve? Better for the consumers in the end. Even though you're go- they're going to miss out on some games by not having one system or the other. But I think it's been pretty clear from the month that we've just gone through that the developers are getting stretched really thin by having to develop for four systems. when they're Because they're still not giving up the old the old generation and that doesn't look like it's happening anytime soon and they're developing for the new generation and they're they're being pushed against these dates and clearly things are getting lost in qa having to having to test against all four of those different systems so it might be better in the long run for a developer to be able to concentrate on one on on you know either the ps4 or the xbox one and maybe the the system behind i know tomb raider is going to be coming out for the 360 also Mm-hmm. But for them to be able to concentrate on one architecture or one set of architectures and let fewer systems and be able to QA those more, and maybe we won't get the broken games that we've been getting over the last few weeks. You mean Ubisoft's not going to be making them? Well, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, think that's a, I think that's a valid point, though. I think what, one of the cool things about this generation is PlayStation going to x86 architecture in you know, the PS4 just like Xbox has. So... I, I, but I do think there's some truth to what you're saying. Um, I, I think it's a, I thought the Tomb Raider thing was a really smart move for Microsoft because what are their traditional console exclusives? You have Halo, pretty much a, a bro game. You know, you have Call of Duty. I love Call of, uh, not Call of Duty, uh, Gears of War. I love Kind Halo. of a bro game. I love it. Yeah. But, you know, first person shooter. Yeah, and what I thought was really smart about it is Tomb Raider. It, it's trying to get a different demographic a bit. Like it's a, a truly different kind of game. It's a much more narrative game, and I thought that was very. I thought that was very cool. I thought it was smart of them. 
I think that if, if I knew that I was going to get better games on the system of which I owned, I think I would be really happy about it. My yeah. problem is that I'm not so sure that they are going to choose not to cut some development companies and might choose to still cut corners and I'm still going to get a game that does not work exceptionally well. I'm not naming any names. Sponsors, don't worry. Um, but I don't, I don't know that I, that guarantees me that. And then I end up having to buy another system for a game, perhaps like a Vita, which is really hard to find secondhand, by the way. Um, <laughs> and I have to buy it for one game. And it becomes really expensive where I'm like, oh, I really wish that this was on the PC, though. The experience would be different so that I could get any game that I so wish. I just think that the time of having exclusives, I don't know if the benefits outweigh the, outweigh the costs to the consumer for it. I guess the question that I have is, I mean, stream, I know that on this, among the, at least, you know, two of the people on the show, that Street Fighter is a ginormous big deal. I wonder if, if it's a big enough seller in general to justify, I mean, I, I presumably Sony must have thrown a lot of money at Capcom to do this. I and, think yes. Okay. Because <laughs> when Street Fighter 4 came out, it was a really big deal. Bree, yeah. do you remember this? Yeah, I sure do. There was a phase where people started referring to new fighting game fans as 0-9ers because they jumped on the bandwagon in 2009 for Street Fighter 4. And that was yeah. like a new word that meant new because of how popular Street Fighter 4 was. Yeah. And what a difference that made in terms of people trying to join the fighting game community. And... um I've been interested in fighting games on and off for my lifetime, but that was a period of time when I was like, I should probably start caring about Street Fighter more instead of whatever, you know, all the other kinds of fighting games I like, Mortal Kombat, MVC, Smash, obviously. And and I mean, I checked out Street Fighter 4. I, I was an 09er, I guess, but I, I mean, I that was definitely when I started thinking about Street Fighter more was because there was this new one. And I think that that will happen again. Mm -hmm. But the fact that it's an exclusive is going to change how people react to that because it's not going to be as accessible. At the same time, though, the question of which system you buy a fight stick for was always a really big argument that people, at least I know, have had. I mean, when Zach was picking out his stick and I talked about it on the show, we talked a lot about what system he should buy it for i had committed to the 360 for many years so i advocated for that so we could play together but i mean it's really a tough call because we have ps3 as well so like what are we going to do you know so and and even when brie and i tried to play recently she has a ps3 fight stick i have a 360 fight stick and we did not realize that until we showed up in the same place <laughs> at the same time and then hilariously we're like oh we can't play Street Fighter now. Oh, okay. It so didn't that, help that we didn't have any games to play on it <laughs> well, either. Also, but, you it's know. funny yeah, yeah. because we had not planned it at all, but whatever. <laughs> that was our fault. But, it, you know, that happens all the time. And, like, I have friends who just own both sticks. And, and anyway, so in some ways this is good for fighting game fans because it means they're just going to buy a PS4 stick. They're, I guess, going to buy a PS4 if they don't already have one. And this is going to be the thing every, that every tournament organizer has to get they're going to have to get a bunch of ps4s and they're going to have to i mean that's that's how that's going to be it's going to be a big deal for playstation but i i guess i worry that maybe that will limit newcomers joining i i i really agree with everything you just said um i also really have to kind of wonder how much 
Street Fighter is going to be a game that really drives console purchasing behavior um, because, well, let me let me tell you this. Like, um, so I did I did a I was on morning news this week, and you know when you do news, they send a car to your house, and so I'm I'm writing to the studio, and the guy that picks me up is a hardcore gamer, but he's not a gamer like you and I are, Maddie. He's more of a do you know like somebody that picks up a system and plays Call of Duty every single time and is really, really into Call of Duty, uh, but just has like these opinions I would never come to myself, like talking about how like he he hates paying for Xbox Live and all of that. And, you know, that makes him like PlayStation more. And it just really made me realize how we as gamers do not have... Like we are hardcore gamers, or at least we're 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 deeply passionate about it. But a lot of the new consumers that have gotten into gaming have a lot less information. You know, they're not reading Polygon every day. You know, they they have different or Pace Magazine. You know, they have different views on it. And in that vein, since this is who Sony is trying to appeal to, I really wonder how much. Street Fighter is really going to pull people over, especially with that additional barrier of entry where, like you said, they're not probably not going to have the, the, the old fight stick work. So on top of that, you're going to have to like spend $150 on a new stick. It just seems like a huge barrier of entry when it's mm-hmm. not $400. Now it's $550, especially in the graphics and gameplay is going to be completely the same on the new system. It's not upgraded. No, I think you're absolutely right. I think that also, since people now know that most games are going to be going to both consoles, it would have to be a huge game for anyone to put, like to put in the amount of money that they would to a system that they already don't want to buy. Because you know that almost every single game is going to come to both systems. So, and if it's a game that you're going to be able to play through and finish it, you'd probably just go to your friend that has the system or or beg them to borrow it and finish the game and then give it back. It just seems like it would be just too much of an investment. Um, So if it would happen a lot more, like in the, you know, Nintendo again, you know, the Sega time, which I did, I had both systems for that exact reason, but I just don't think that that's going to happen anymore. So I don't know if they're going to actually get their money back, like what it was worth to just have, and I don't know, maybe they were paid gazillion dollars and it was well worth it but i just don't think it's going to be worth it for people yeah i I think one other thing is that it's it we keep forgetting how long this last console cycle was yeah i was gonna say that too like 2009 happened in the middle of it right or at least not at the same time as it launching and there were exclusives at the beginning but even a lot of those exclusives almost all those exclusives eventually came to the other system i mean you forget that bioshock was an xbox exclusive that Mass Effect was an Xbox exclusive, but that was so long ago, and that's gotten mm. everything's gotten ported over. So, so you do you have, think, Stephen, that people are going to assume? Steve, sorry, I was going <laughs> to say, did you just call wow. him Stephen? No, What's wow. happening no, right I now? Didn't. I'm, so, <laughs> I'm sorry. George is Stop mad at me. Oh no, George is mad at me. She's calling me Stephen. <laughs> so, Steve, do you think that you just people were, are just going to assume that eventually it's going to come? And so why would they just wait for the game? I don't think so. I think that they're not used to this behavior because you have to. I mean, this is the first console launch that a lot of a lot of consumers, especially the ones in the demographic that a lot of the AAA companies target. Mm -hmm. This is the first console launch that they've actually gone through. Like they've probably got like an Xbox 360 or a PS3, you know, 
either early or midway through. And it's a long time ago since since we had exclusives. So I think that they're yeah. they're mostly reacting to it because it's been it's been the way that it's been for so long that everything comes out for all the systems, unless you happen to own something that Nintendo makes, that they've kind of forgotten that that was nor- the normal course of business as recently as like 2008, 2009. And it's kind of shocking when you get whenever you give somebody something and then you take it away. They're mm-hmm. always going to react more strongly than if you never gave it to them in the first place. Right. I yeah, I, I agree with that, Stephen. Um, oh, I, I guess. I oh, guess boy. I, I'm worried this is going to make me sound like a terrible person. So <laughs> if it does, we'll just edit this part out. OK. But, um, oh, I mean, I'm so intrigued. So, you know, when for the last generation. When the new systems came out last generation, I had just gotten out of college. I was working at GameStop. I was completely broke. And what I did at that time was I could only afford one system. So uh, the first one I bought was a PS3. Uh, This was like two years into the life cycle, and I was thrilled to do that. And then like a year later, I went and got an Xbox 360. My question is, is it don't most gamers that really care end up buying both systems anyway, or or am I mistaken about that? I, I didn't, and I bought. I have almost every single gaming system besides that, but I just didn't because I figured why for the, that exact same reason that uh, Steve came up with about uh, you know <laughs> like I just. <laughs> I just expect that they'll probably come out with every single game. Why do I have to go through it? And I'm now just going to wait until I, you know, I get myself like an Oculus Rift and and spend <laughs> then a ton of money on that just because I'm like, eh, you know, right. I, I'm going to be able to just do it on a PC for most games. Yeah, like I feel like I was completely spoiled by the prior generation. I like before I was working in games, I would just have Nintendo stuff and Xbox stuff and a PC that could run most games. And with that combination, I never needed a PlayStation Mm -hmm. and like, yeah, I played some final fantasy at friends houses. I mean, there were some things that I couldn't do on my own with those consoles, but I, you know, I just didn't own a PlayStation for a long time. And then I hopped on the bandwagon eventually, but for a very long time, there was really no need there because there was so much crossover in terms of what you could get. You really only needed a Wii and one other system or a GameCube and one other system for, for so long. And and I think that the other problem is that the libraries of the two systems right now are so similar that when you're looking at something that – like if you wanted to buy Tomb Raider – you're not looking at buying a system, you know, just to get Tomb Raider and get a whole bunch of other stuff. You're looking at basically spending four hundred dollars to play Tomb Raider because they're there. You can play most of the other games already if you already own a PS4. It's the hmm. same reason that I haven't gone down the road, even though there have been some really good deals on the Xbox One. I haven't really thought about it because there's not like I would like to play Sunset Overdrive, for example, but Sunset Overdrive isn't worth four hundred dollars to me. Right. And there, and I mean, there's a couple of other games. I mean, we've talked about them too. There's there's Forza, and there's a couple of other things. There aren't enough games that I can't already play that make it worth spending that sum of money on yet. Eventually, like I said, when we were talking, when we've been talking about this, by the time the Tomb Raider comes out, I'll probably be there because right. I'm sure that there will be more exclusives by that point, and I'll the, maybe the price will have come down even more than it has. Although I, I don't see it going much below three fifty for a while. You know, I don't. I'm not there yet, and it's it's still a pretty big expenditure. 
I just, I, I just don't understand this argument. Like, I, your taste of your own, I completely respect that. Yeah. I, I, but that's, I don't understand the. It, it seems like core gamers are still very loyal to the PS4, and I, I, I truly do not understand that at this point because. And I just want to say, it's like Sony has been my preferred console since the PlayStation 1. I mean, it, it is the platform I prefer to play on. But it seems to me that Microsoft is annihilating them in terms of quality this generation. Because if you look at the console exclusives they have so far, um, you know, just what's come out. Titanfall is the best first-person shooter that came out this year, in my opinion. Uh, you know, Forza... Excellent, um, you know, Tomb Raiders coming out. I mean, there are so many really, really, really fantastic exclusive games on this system. Sunset Overdrive. And if you look at what the PlayStation 4 has, it's, you know, like I cared enough about Heavy Rain that I dedicated like three years of my life to making a game similar to it. I loved Heavy Rain on the PS3, but, you know, they just don't have anything like that at this point. And I don't know. I don't get it. You know what it is, though? They they squandered so much goodwill when they launched the the system. Yeah, I was going to say that, too. Like, honestly, it's not about what games are actually on these systems or even what their specs are. Like, we can compare that stuff all day and all night if we want. That actually doesn't matter. It's about branding and the emotional attachment that people have. That's what makes a fanboy or fangirl of these systems. That's how these purchases work. And so many people were so upset about Xbox One's name, its branding, its launch. And so that just made a huge difference in terms of sales. And I, I just I think it's going to be hard for them to come back from that. But yeah. I mean, Microsoft has made some really smart choices since then. And I think they'll come around. But that is why they have had such a slow start in comparison. It is emotional reasons. Yeah. Well, I think also that since people are not buying more than one system, too, once you're kind of a, you've bought one. And, and again, with that, they they because their launch times were so similar, people had already invested in one system because of all the horrible press they got after all of trying to. You know, which they tried to come back around after PlayStation came out with it, yeah. but they—it's just kind of one of those things. Yeah, yeah. And, and I guess the one other thing is that it's just—it's really. I think a lot of people made up the decision, even if they weren't buying it right away. They made the decision of what system they were going to buy at E3 of that year, right? And then yeah. it doesn't even—they can look at the exclusives, but they may not even really care because they may even still think that 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 the Xbox One was going to do all the horrible things that it, they said it was going right. to do at launch. Right. And they may not have kept up since then. So, True. I mean, I th- I'd like to think the people who you know are listening to this and, and you know the people who care about that thing would probably be keeping up with that. But some of them may not, and some of them may have just you know seen that. Yeah, and I think said, the majority you know, of people just don't pay that much attention to nitty-gritty stuff, and they just yeah. think, I only have $400 extra dollars to spend this year, and I already picked which one I'm going to spend it mm-hmm. on. Done. Yeah. And, and it's just a matter of when. Yep. I mean, Maddie, I've noticed, like, I've not had a job where... <laughs> I always talk about money on this show. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I've not had a job where I had people that made games, like, send me codes to try out their game, mm-hmm. you know, before this to talk about it. It seems to me when they do that, it's always on the Xbox. So oh, really? is that is that usual or is that just, like, my my experience? Because literally every game that I've been 
you know, like, hey, do you want to play this? So you'll talk about it. It's been I've gotten a code for the Xbox. Is that is that unusual or is that not? Uh, it's not been my experience, but I think publicists know what consoles I have. As uh-huh. weird and stalkery as that sounds to say, yeah, yeah, I have yeah. relationships with publicists and they know what I have and they know I have a PS4 and they know uh-huh. what codes to offer me at this point. So that's my situation. And if I got an Expo and then I would be like, hey, I finally got one of these. <laughs> right, just so you know time. but um right. yeah so at this point the xbox one is the only one i don't have and also i don't have a vita i hear they're really hard to get i'm gonna get one or i could just give mine to georgia like you can no, have it i'm gonna it. get you one i'm gonna get one systems. we're all xbox gonna one. get one Bree. okay <laughs> one. we're all getting oh, one so funny i bought a vita I'll, I'm opening it. I can feel like right a now. jerk if you hate Dang and Run Pus. Oh, Steve, I'm, I'm going to be like, oh, you know, man. you know what though? I mean, I've, I, I, I well, we have to move on, but I, yeah, we need to move. On. I, yeah. I have been having my eye on it for a while, just because I've built up such a library of games through PlayStation Plus anyway. So it kind of became to the point where even if I don't like Dang and Rampa, it's there's so, I have so many games that I could be playing, and I, I've want I bought Final Final Fantasy seven, eight, and nine forever ago, and I've kind of felt like I'd want to play them on a handheld because it'd be more likely to play them that way. So, because I've never played any of those games. Right. So, I, I know Judgment, but um, but so I do want to play those, so I figured that I've wanted to play them on a Vita. I've just been waiting for a deal and they finally did a sale on the, the Borderlands bundle this week on Amazon, so I bit it's the a bullet. Great game. Yeah. yeah, it's technically a Hanukkah present, so I probably won't be pl- opening it until Tuesday. Oh! <gasps> I, I may make it. I I may get special dispensation for Danganronpa if I come into possession of that ahead of time, though. All right, all right. Hey guys, we're about to have a discussion of Grand Theft Auto Five and and some fairly graphic descriptions of some of the scenes in that game. Um, so if you happen to have kids around, or if uh, any of that might possibly trigger a reaction in you, you'll probably want to skip forward about twenty two minutes. Okay, enjoy the rest of the show. Yeah, so let's talk about Grand Theft Auto because that's one of our favorite top favorite games to talk about on this show. Okay. Uh, so apparently, all of a sudden, uh, and I get well, I don't know if it's so all of a sudden because the remaster just did drop last month, but there's been a couple of retailers in Australia who have decided that they are no longer going to carry Grand Theft Auto Five for the reasons of you know the reasons that you would expect that a, a retailer would not want to carry Grand Theft Auto Five. And apparently this has ignited a firestorm about consumer rights and free speech uh, in Australia because apparently this is a free speech issue if one retailer doesn't want to sell you something that you can still freely get from other retailers in the same country. Um, And Take-Two is actually, you know, taking advantage of that and trying to start a petition to get those retailers to carry the game again. It's kind of interesting looking at this from afar because we don't I mean, Walmart used to do this kind of stuff, and they haven't really anymore. But Walmart's kind of a bigger a, a bigger force in this country than – I mean, this would basically be – you know, if, like if Walmart or Amazon didn't carry it in this country, that would be a ginormous big deal. But these are – I mean, Target and – who was the other one? Target and – I forget who the other retailer was. It's another name that we know here. Bree, you had you had some thoughts on this. I'll just let you. I'll let you go. Well, I one of the things that's frustrating is 
You know, like one of the things when you're in the the middle of a media firestorm about feminism is people expect you to get outraged or upset about anything that's that's related to feminism. And, you know, so when this happened, I had literally hundreds of people tweeting at me like, oh, you're so happy. You people won. (laughs) You finally struck a blow. Why are you censoring my free speech, Brianna? Oh, you know, and all this stuff. And it's like, oh my won. God, I don't even know. I didn't even know this happened. And it's like, I, I don't mind saying, like, for me personally, for professional reasons, um, I've owned every single Grand Theft Auto until, and I bought Grand Theft Auto 5. But Grand Theft Auto 5 is the point where. I personally, Brianna Wu, came to the point saying, I cannot support this company anymore. Part of it is, you know, I've talked about this before on this show. Like when I was at GDC last time, as I was crossing the street from Moscone East to Moscone West, they had hired a woman, Rockstar had hired a woman to stand half naked in the street in a bikini top and hand out flyers to developers as we were walking by to get us to come to their recruitment party, which sends a breathtakingly bad message about about the professional standards they hold themselves to. And then, you know, like for this time, you look at coming out and and I, I played through Grand Theft Auto five and it was so astonishingly misogynistic and their response to it was so brain dead. And then when they yeah, this is other thing. So, like, when they released it for PS4, I've got the press calling me. Like, what do you think of this change? What do you think of this? What do you think of, like, the... You know, they, they apparently added first-person sex scenes to it. So after you, like, romance a stripper by fondling her, you know, then you have, like, a first-person sex scene with her. And it's just... It's at the point where I'm like, I can't support this company. Like, this is... This is... This just is not compatible with what I believe. To me, that's a different question than, you know, they were complaining that you could go and kill um, sex workers in this game. And, you know, for me personally, I kind of agree, believe it or not, with the, the gamer gators and a lot of the critics are saying, like, look, you can kill anyone out in this game. Why do women get special treatment? Um, I actually agree with that. I, I think the first thing I do, and I think many people do when you get a Grand Theft Auto game, is to go out and you know cause havoc in the streets until you get five stars and you die. So, you know, I personally am against this particular boycott for the reasons that they're saying, but I also very strongly agreed with Colin Campbell's piece in Polygon this week that was talking about how the majority of people that buy Grand Theft Auto games are young men. And these games are very misogynistic. If you look at the history of Rockstar, uh, there's actually a book out called Jacked. It's by the same uh, author that wrote Masters of Doom and is excellent. And if you read that book, you read about a company that is basically run by man children. And they have no... They just want to push the envelope for the sake of pushing the envelope. They feel no social responsibility for what they do. And it's like the, this pattern time and time and time again, where they like make these really dumb choices. And then they're like, oh, my God, why is the media so upset with this? I can't believe it. And you're just dealing with people. They're willfully lacking of empathy at this point. And, 
you know, like I'm not calling for anyone to boycott them, but I'm saying I can't support these these people that make games anymore. I think it's disgusting. So that's my opinion. <laughs> Sorry, there no, are it's a lot good. of opinions yeah, yeah, yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the other the other thing is there was another there was another uh, editorial in Polygon that kind of called out the fact that we're trying to, from an American perspective, push our values on Australia, and that it's actually we're making it a bigger deal here that this is that these retailers it's it's targeting Kmart by the way were right. the the two the two retailers I looked that up in the meantime. Um, that we're making this about us and, and kind of imposing our American ideals on them, whereas in Australia itself, it's actually not that big of a deal. And they're just like, okay, well, I can't buy it from there. I'll just buy it from somewhere else if I want it. Well, that's a yeah. really good point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I I don't know that we need to undercut the value of the petition itself because it's organized by these women, some of whom are sex workers, and they're talking about their own experiences. Right. So, I, I mean, yeah, I guess we could just say, well, it doesn't really matter because Take-Two doesn't care about the results of the petition and that doesn't affect their bottom line at all, which is true. Right. They released a statement saying, we don't care, this doesn't affect our bottom line at all. Right. And that's fine, that's great that it doesn't affect their bottom line, but to me, I think, well, then what exactly would make Take-Two yeah. sit back and think, maybe we're misrepresenting the experiences of sex workers. Yeah. Like a lot of people say, the only thing that will change the games industry is if we stop buying games and vote with our wallets. And like essentially what these women are doing is is trying to take away some of Take-Two's money in a way, in a very, very small way. And like I, I would say they, they've not been super successful because Take-Two really hasn't noticed and mostly people have laughed at these women for even trying to do this. They have not, Take-Two has not turned around and said, oh, maybe maybe we actually should think about how we're depicting women and specifically sex workers in our game. I, I honestly don't know what it would take for them to think that thought. Go read Jacked. They're not, they're not <laughs> capable of yeah. thinking yeah. that and thought, Yeah, and so like, Maddie. I mean, yeah. I, I, like, I don't necessarily, I'm not wild about this tactic only because I didn't, I didn't think it would work, and then it hasn't worked. So, so that depresses me. But, but the theory behind it, which is that these women really want Take Two to reconsider how they're depicting women in their game, I really do agree with that. Even yeah. though I don't agree with how they're going about it, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I, I don't actually know what the best way is to get Take Two to start caring. And and. Like, I know that this is a situation where a lot of people just say, it's Grand Theft Auto. It's always going to be sexist. I don't care. I'm not going to even worry about it. But I just can't feel that way about it because I know so many guys who play this game who think it's funny to beat yep. up the yep. prostitutes in this game. Yep. Like, they think it's funny. Yep. And yep. I also the game incentivizes you beating up prostitutes because if you mm. pay for one, then if you want to get your money back, you have to kill her. Yeah. And so that's, I don't know that there are other situations in the game where like you buy a hot dog and then you can kill the hot dog guy. I mean, that's not as funny because sexism isn't involved. And like we, in America, at least we see sex as being kind of funny because we're very puritanical and we're all little babies at heart over here. <laughs> we have a lot of issues <laughs> with sex. So we think it's funny. And, and I mean, that's, that's definitely an American hangup. So I, I worry about that and I worry about the inclusion of that. And so I, I guess I just also lastly want to give a little shout out. There's um, this woman, Naomi Clark, who I follow on Twitter and she's 
very funny and wonderful. And um, she came up with a list of ideas for how Take-Two could change the game so that different things happened when you bought a sex worker in the game, bought a sex worker's time, that is, such as if you try to get your money back, maybe it turns out she has a gun, maybe it turns out she's way more powerful than you and she fights you off, maybe that's randomly generated, and she also came up with one idea that she called the Tarantino method, where if you kill one sex worker, then every single other sex worker in town <laughs> hunts you down. Oh, I like that, that. Awesome. I like which that. I love so much, <laughs> and I wish, wish they would do that, because it would be incredible and i think it would teach people a lesson in a way that is smart and funny and i know that that is what gta is trying to do they're trying to make social commentary in ways that are smart and funny and i really think they fail so often and this is a situation where they actually could be doing things that are way smarter and they're not and they're not listening to criticism and people don't know how to get them to listen and i i just i find it incredibly sad I mean, the, at the end of the day, that the only criticism that matters is the is the money is the sales numbers. Mm-hmm. Yes, but even yeah. that that's exactly what people are trying to respond to, and I, I I feel like that might actually be the wrong way to go as well. Yeah, but I, but I mean, at the end of the day, the culture almost has to change so that people don't want a game like this anymore. No, it's you you. It's got to be both at once, right? Yeah. Like the game affects the culture, the culture affects the game. I don't think so as much. I think that the the game is really a. And, and you can take a look at games through the ages and just see how I think that it reflects the culture more than it implies what the culture already feels. And I think that that will change. I think that I have an, a huge issue with um, us making people that are in the sexist industry disposable and treating yeah. them as such. And I, I have a really large issue for it because a lot of people that are in the sexist workers are already have been through such horrors and then they're already treated by society as large as that. So I already have a huge issue with that. But I do think that as our culture evolves more, as we do discussions like we're having right now and getting to know that these are people with lives and care and, you know, that, that have families and, you know, values and, and thoughts to it and that they're not disposable, I think, I think the games won't get away with treating people poorly. And it's already happened. We, the games are definitely less sexist and racist and you know, show less horrors than they used to. And I think that that's going to be something that's going to keep on going as long as we keep discussing it. And I do think that paying with your pocketbooks as people find games a little bit more deplorable and and change the way that they look at gaming, I think that that will make a difference. And just by speaking out and making a little bit of a stir, I think that that helps. Yeah, I I mean, I guess what I'm what I'm not I'm not saying that it's not a noble cause and that I don't agree with it. I guess what I'm saying is that I'm sorry, Steve, I actually do agree with you, though. I don't think that that you know like you should like be angry that a place is selling a game or not selling a game i think they have a full right because you know they can do that so i i that it was like that was a side but i do agree with your point that they could get the game somewhere else they don't have to can i say something here like what really pushed this grand theft auto over the line for me is again it goes back to sex work and how they depict it Mm -hmm. so in i forget which one it was i think it was it was grand theft auto 3 uh san andreas and you would go on date with someone and you would want to romance someone and like maybe she liked to get wild. So you would go like um, go do drive by shootings or whatever, which is like bonding with her on a psychological level, like figuring out what her interests are and then going and doing that with her. So that that at least made some twisted sense to me in the way it, it portrayed relationships in the game. 
What really felt beyond over the line is how they portrayed that same mechanic in this game. And, you know, if you have kids listening, you might want to fast forward a little bit. Yeah, this whole section actually really wasn't appropriate at all for them. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So the way it works is you go to a strip club. And you say you see women there and you pay them for a private dance. So there's this half-naked woman with a G-string or whatever in front of you. And the mechanic of the game is, you know, in a strip club, you have bouncers there that stop you from sexually touching the women that work there. Mm -hmm. So the mechanic is you wait for the bouncer to look away and then you start fondling and grabbing the sex worker who's like naked and her butt is right in front of your face. You start groping her and she fall. You have to do it to the point timing it when the bouncer is looking away until she falls in love with you. Now I realize that like this may tap into some male power fantasy that I can't understand about like how you get women to fall in love with you. But I think it's a, a breathtakingly dangerous idea. Mm -hmm. I think it is a, astonishingly offensive, stupid, dangerous idea to have a gameplay mechanic about this. It's bad because it's like telling men that like they just have to know show enough sexual power and agency and like violate rules and that's what women like and that's how to get you to to love them. It's showing disrespect to sex workers. I, these women are barely portrayed in the first place. And it's just horrible. It is it is atrocious. And again, I've done so many drive-bys and shot up everything in sight in these games. I've had no problem with it. But for me, this is where it crosses the line, where it's sending a message that, and I say this carefully, is sending a message that I genuinely believe is going to get some people raped and hurt. And I think it's beyond irresponsible. And we combine that with the book Jacked, And you hear about the history of the people making these games. And again, I use this word carefully. They are man children. They feel no conscience about what they're doing. They have no awareness of this. It's just at the point where I have to say, I can't support you guys. Sorry. I wonder what will happen. um, And and just, again, this is just my own psychological line of thinking of this. Right. a lot of people like don't understand until they have someone close to them that it is suddenly depicted. So someone might be racist until they end up having a best friend that might be black. And, you know, and I wonder what these men will feel like when they raise, maybe have daughters and then the daughters, you know, take a look at the games that their fathers have made. And I wonder if they will think twice about how they, what hopes and dreams they're putting in thoughts of like how women are portrayed in it, if it makes them, perhaps question the way that they've portrayed women. I think we're seeing that happen now with some game developers. Yeah. And I, I jokingly refer to it as the dadification of games in the sense that now we have all these games about dads and their feelings about daughters and stuff. But I, I think, I think that's starting to happen. And, and GTA mm-hmm. at this point to me feels like it's from another time. Like yeah. it feels to me like it's five years out of date. Like I remember playing it in high school and being horrified by the way that the prostitutes were depicted. And I didn't even know anything about feminism at that age. I just was like, I'm deeply uncomfortable about this and I don't know why. Right. <laughs> right. Just as a young woman. So yeah. I, the games are exactly the same though. Now nothing has changed. They haven't really 
grown they haven't up evolved, in any way. Yeah. They haven't evolved. And I guess that's because the development team still thinks that these jokes are funny and yeah. that women aren't really people. They're just kind of objects that you can laugh at. Yeah. So like, I, I mean, I don't re- even really know how you get through to people like that, but I just want to say, I know people think it's useless to even look at games like this and it's better just ignore them, but I really don't think so. I, I think it's important to keep pointing out that this is wrong and that these depictions are wrong and that they are harmful stereotypes to continue to be spreading. Yeah. yeah volition in Saints Row. Like this is the same basic game. And I know friends that work at Volition. And I can tell you, the thing that makes Saints Row different, it's the same kind of gameplay. Like, shoot everything up, like, ride a car, blow stuff up. Like, it's it's the most extreme game ever. But Saints Row bothers me almost not at all as a feminist because it takes very careful pains to represent men and women equally it's equal opportunity right it's it's yeah. like i've used this example before but there's a mission saint church three where you're you're escaping a bondage club and they're pulling a gondola is like like half naked with you know with toys in their mouth is you have a male sex worker, like a male person that's into that and a female that's into that. And they're both pulling the gondola. It's hilarious. It's not taking a shot at women is taking a shot at the situation. And you can see an awareness from this development team. Like for, uh, for Santro three, they had an activity called, um, what was it? Hode stripped, something like that. Like the idea (laughs) was to go around and pick up, pick up hose in your car, like sex workers who are out there. And then we're going to have to give them... this an NS like, right. Yeah. Yeah. Right? This is like the dirtiest show we've ever done. Yeah. But that, that is what's insane. So it's yeah. true. That's true. It's but the they, truth, but though, yeah. volition thought about that and they do think about that and they took it out for Saints row four. So, you know, when Grand Theft Auto is saying like, we have to have this to create this narrative and this atmosphere, it's crap. Because you can see Saints Row doing it in a way that is, I would argue, it's empowering. Because, like, the women are flat out awesome in that game. So, does that make sense? Yeah, Yeah, totally. And I think think the difference, like, a lot of people try to describe humor as, like, punching up or punching down. Like, are you making fun of the CEO or are you making fun of the janitor? One of those two things is funny and one is just weird and sad. So, in this case, it's Mm -hmm. like either you are in a situation where you empathize with a woman who does sex work and you see her as a person in great character, or you just laugh at her because you don't see her as human and yes. she is a joke and her occupation is a joke. Like right. I, I feel like it's the latter is just reprehensible to me and doesn't appeal to me at all. And I would always rather play a game where women are people no matter what their job is whatever it is and i just think that's so much more interesting and also you can tell better jokes if you do it that way Mm -hmm. yeah so um illiphone in the chat room is pointing out that uh sex work is legalized and and regulated in australia so they may react differently to the treatment of sex workers than we do here yeah it probably seems really really bad because gta is horrible yeah so, Probably seems even worse to them. So, so again, it's and that's what I was I was trying to get to with that uh, with the uh, the other editorial that I was pointing out is that this is a different culture. Mm-hmm. And and also Australia actually does ban games. We really don't do it here in America, but they actually just outright ban games over there and in several other countries. In America, we just kind of let anything go because we don't really care. <laughs> but in other countries, they do actually do it. 
I can find the Wikipedia list of banned games if you guys want. I tweeted I tweeted about it earlier yeah. this week, and it's pretty interesting. Yeah, they oh, have a they have an eighteen plus rating or something like that, which is effectively the same as our AO rating, except that our AO rating in this country never gets used, and their mm-hmm. eighteen plus rating actually does get used. Yeah, we use an M rating here, which is like nothing. You can still yeah. get an. M yeah, the only game. the only time that anything even well, I'm sure there have been a couple of games. The only time anything's even gotten close to an AO was was actually Grand was it Grand Theft Auto three or was it Vice City with that had hot coffee. Um, and there was when San Andreas, was it San Andreas? I don't, yeah. Mm-hmm. Whichever game it was that had, it had a hidden mini game that actually did have simulated sex in it or something like that. And that pushed the rating up for an M to AO. And then they had to, they had to cut it out in order to keep their rating and be able to continue selling it in this country. So, so before we go to what we're playing, we got some fantastic feedback over the last couple of weeks. So I just wanted to, uh, to go through that a little bit. Uh, we got a couple of pieces of, feedback on Dragon Age Inquisition when we were talking about who would want to play Dragon Age on anything other than normal or casual. Um, So we got this email from Ted who said, what did occur to me is that the reason why I didn't have the same experience is that I, the way I play big games with tons of side content is that I do everything. I don't see the quest log as a convenient list. I see it as a checklist and that not doing it all is the video game equivalent of not getting all the meat off a chicken bone. So in my <laughs> so in my game, I was level 10 at the end of the Hinterlands and had defeated the High Dragon of the area before I'd even finished the first major plot decision. <laughs> when, I fi- when I finally reached the point where you get focus abilities, I was level 14. Because I was doing everything the game put in front of me, I was absurdly powerful very quickly. Now, if yeah. you're not the time to do that, all that, and I recognize I'm probably in a minority of people how I approach these games, I can totally see where you're all coming from. Hmm. So I, I guess that's one. If you are a completionist, yeah, I have heard yeah. this from other people because many people sent me tweets about that after that show <laughs> because <laughs> I said some things. Anyway, uh, so yeah, a lot of people let me know that if you do every side quest, then you end up being so overpowered that you kind of have to turn the difficulty up. But at the same time. I personally don't mind that because I just don't think the combat in this game is its strongest aspect at all. I agree. I agree. And I am okay with it if the combat is absurdly easy because I'm really enjoying the story and I really just want to play that part and I don't really want to have to deal with the combat. And I'm pretty much only doing side quests if they're interesting to me. I don't Mm -hmm. care about collecting all the shards. Sorry, I just don't. But I did all the astrariums or whatever they are called. Astrarium is what Zach calls them, but I think they're actually called astrariums. Um, the the things with the stars, I did. I do those because I think they're fun and frustrating. But but most of the side quests are just I I don't do them unless they're compelling to me. So mm-hmm. yeah, and I pretty much only I will go to places that my level is capped at. I, that's a stupid sentence. I, I go I go according to my level. So I left the hinterlands as soon as I possibly could, which I recommend because the hinterlands are really boring to me personally. That's my opinion. Um, wow. Samantha Allen loves the hinterlands. Why doesn't she doesn't do games journalism anymore? But I'm trying to convince her to do an article about why because I hate them so much. But she loves them, and she makes fun of me all the time and says she's going to buy a summer house in the hinterlands and live there forever and never leave. And I'm like, I hate you. Why are you doing? this why are you telling me um (laughs) but yeah so i hated the hinterlands and i couldn't wait to get out but i pretty much just go wherever the level cap is and as soon as i exceed the level cap i'm like i'm done with this area i'm out and i'll only go back if i have to do another story related quest i'm not i'm not really interested in sticking around 
Georgia, um, are you are you enjoying Dragon Age? I am enjoying it. I haven't had a lot of time to play because it's been uh, I've been doing a, a lot of work hours because it's the holidays and it's a harder time of year for people. So I have not gotten much time to play, but it's hilarious because I watch my husband who's like, uh, you, you want to watch TV? And I know what he really wants to do. He wants to go back to playing Dragon Age. Um, <laughs> so, so it's like, like watching TV in a way. <laughs> I know, but I don't want to. Well, I don't. I like the story, too. So I don't want to find out too much about what happens so I can enjoy what my character goes through. And and then I found out Steve tweets to me as I'm at work about like my character losing their scars and I'm like all I'm so devastated about yeah. losing my, my beautiful scars on my character that uh, it's a bug in the patch. I'm sure they'll they'll patch the patching. I, I, hope they do. I didn't have I scars, scar. but I guess there was a patch that took away some people's scars and that yeah. what's that it really that sucks. mostly on PC though? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's what I played uh, on. Yeah, hopefully. Although there have been plenty of PS4 patches in the past that have done strange things. So hopefully hopefully that's not the case. I, I my character's fine. She doesn't have any scars. She's yeah. cool. Yeah. She's never gotten yeah. in a fight before. This is her first. No, I don't know. <laughs> no, she's just that good that nobody ever touches yeah, her. Yeah, that's, that's it. what it is. That's it. That's it. I thought your Inquisitor looked awesome, Georgia. Don't hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> we should post that picture of Georgia's Inquisitor. We should. Except for her like blush, blondie. Yeah. And now the blush. It was the blush and the hair. I was. I, you, I was Debbie Harry blush style. Yeah. Yeah. We Bad all hair. have the same hair. Because it's the only long hair that they have. No, really? no, no. I have cornrows because oh, I'm a canary, so I okay. have that option. But nobody else does no. because awkward racism. Thanks, by the way. Yeah. Cool. So, and we also got some feedback about the Pokemons. So we got oh no. so many Pokemon got, emails, I, and I loved them so I, much. I love them. I love them. We're not discussing this, this. But I yeah. just want to say I'm so appreciative for people for sending these super detailed oh, Pokemon yes. emails because loved I it. really enjoyed them, and I love that the people who listen to our show are this obsessed with video love games. It. Yeah. it makes me happy and proud. Yeah, I don't think I can read this email because we'll be here for like another four hours, but. Uh, but yeah, Alexandra, don't, don't, don't. Alexandra wrote. I'll, I'll I'll summarize it. But Alexandra wrote us an email um, with with a number of points uh, in rebuttal to to Bree's purchasing of the of the cartridge. Oh, One God. is that we that it's it's hard to know if the Pokemon on that cartridge were hacked or not, um, which is a thing that happens. And uh, you know, people will hack at Pokemon and then use those as at a uh, a, a competitive advantage. Um, you know, it's basically cheating. Is is that is legitimately cheating? Is mm-hmm. um, hacking Pokemon? So that's that's one thing. But and then, wouldn't it not carry over through the cartridge and be uploadable to my Pokebank? I see. I don't know what would happen. I mean, if it was hacked, I mean, you probably didn't get hacked Poke- Pokemon. No, I I'd, didn't. In fact, it said yeah. it wasn't hacked in the description. Okay. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> oh, did it? It said not yeah, hacked. I, did. I, yeah. I think that means it definitely wasn't, right? This is totally a hundred percent legit, see guys. Would ever lie. <laughs> but then it all transferred in fine. So I'll be able to battle people online. I mean, am I? incorrect that there's some checksum or something fails i think i think the there point. is I, yeah. th- I think you what what happens is that you're putting your game at risk if you if you were to import a hacked pokemon i think that might happen but i think if you've gotten through all that you're probably fine okay. i love i love hearing Bree say pokebank <laughs> i think that's just adorable i'll say it anytime you want georgia <laughs> pokebank and the other the other point that she had was that the the kind of the overarching theme of the of the series was that um the the people who 
raised and loved their Pokemon are the ones who really were so, were really successful in the the Pokemon League, and that uh, there are a number of places, both in the games and in the anime, where um, there was somebody who bought a really a high level Pokemon, and then they ended up losing to somebody who would raise them from like a little pup and and uh, you know groom them and had a bond with them. So, but I, I think we we address that by treating those as rescue Pokemon, not a not purchase Pokemon. <laughs> I yeah. mean, yeah, go ahead. I, I couldn't tell if that part of her email meant that that was just her psychological association with Pokemon, which if so, that's awesome and great. Or if she was saying that there are actual in-game elements that favor people who have been with their Pokemon, their high-level Pokemon for the entire game versus people who have not. Like, can the game tell that? And does does it affect battles? That I don't know because I don't play competitively. Well, I think, like, there are the games where you, like, pet your Pokemon. Mm-hmm. But that's a relatively new feature yeah. in the most, the X and Y games implemented right. that. Well, in fact, the game rewards getting traded Pokemon. The game strongly rewards that because it levels up faster. So... I, I hear the critique. Like, the truth is, like, you know, one of the most useful classes I ever took was on emotional reasoning and, like, how we make decisions based on these these shortcuts in our mind. And, like, we like to think we're rational, but the truth is the way the human mind works is we decide how we want to feel about something and then our minds act as lawyers and justify it. Um, and it's like, I totally get where you're coming from. I think there's a good argument that this is against the spirit of this, but I also, you know, it's like, if I want to play the way I want to play and guys, I lost my 3DS. I lost my 3DS. I lost. This wasn't like you, you, you were choosing a game that you had not played and trying to find a shortcut. You had already, which again, it's still someone's choice. It's not like, you know, you're not playing competitively. And if you had this Pokemon on your on yeah. your old cartridge, you probably would just brought them in anyway. So. Yeah, it, it's exactly the same thing. Yeah. Like I can't even use the high level Pokemon from that cartridge. And yeah. you know what I wanted were some staggered Pokemon to bring out in this game. So when I beat a gym leader, I could go back and then stock up the party of people that were a little bit higher, so I wouldn't have to grind forever like I did in Pokemon X. And right. again, like uh, if if you guys will go back and listen to the Disney World episode this year. Uh, like there's a large air conditioner you can hear in the background for me. Like I stood in line that whole week, like at Disney and I'm just grinding Pokemon and like Frank is trying to talk to me. I'm just grinding Pokemon <laughs> while I'm standing in line. Like I worked my butt off at getting everyone those 210. If I want to replace those, just give me a yeah. break. Come on. I get, I get so much. You guys, I promise you. Everyone feels like like they get a lot of static on the internet. I promise you the stuff I get is entirely an exponent higher. Give me a break because I've got real drama to worry about. Okay? Well, we did get an email from we did get yeah. an email from Justin who basically he had a TLDR and all TLDR is TLDR. Sure. Uh but basically said that what it's no different than if there happened to be Pokémon versus IAP and if you bought that. And and he has a point there. Yeah. It's just yeah. that they don't offer that, and that's, you know, it's no different than if they were to offer that and you took advantage of it. I, I, I totally yeah. agree with Justin yeah. for what it's yeah. worth. I, I just thought Alexandra's email was interesting. Yeah, it was. I agree. I just that. love that people write to us and are so passionate about what we yes. talk about. I, Me too. I think that that's so cool. Like, really. It is cool. It's so cool. I just love being able to geek out about Pokemon. That's all. I, that's you all are I just happy. Doing. You got a whole bunch of Pokemon emails. I hear you. I do. I, I, I enjoyed that. Just I Steve's liked it day. too. 
I liked yeah. it too. We're all we're all secretly Nintendo fans. We're gonna break you, Maddie. We're gonna get you I back into know. Pokemon. I maybe. <laughs> I just didn't get as into X and Y as either you or Bree did. I feel like I just you know what? If I had had a bunch of Disneyland lines to wait in, then I think it would have worked. But I just don't have that many situations in my life now where I'm just standing around with nothing to do. You know, you should, you should get it before PAX and then just take it with you when you're waiting in lines there. Right. PAX. <laughs> don't talk to me about PAX. All right. <laughs> All right. So I guess that on that note, we may as well go into what we're playing. And uh, Brie, what are you playing this week? Oh, man. Uh, so uh, Wolfenstein sucks. Did you play it? I haven't played it yet. Oh, I have not played it yet. I have it. I have not played it yet. Oh my goodness. Am I going to hate this? Uh, okay, let me ask you this. How, did you, yeah. how far did you get into it? I played three and a half hours trying okay. to get to the point where I liked it. Did you get to the concentration camp? I, I got past the point where you, you know, you wake up, like robot arm and all of that, and a little yeah. bit past that, so. But you didn't get to the concentration camp? No, I don't Okay, so, so that, then, yeah. yeah, then you didn't see the stuff that, that I care about in that game. Okay, how much further away is that? I'm not telling you you away? need to force your way through it. I'm it's, not, it's not a yeah. good game. It's it's not a good game. It is huh. it is the whole time I'm playing it. I was I I was thinking about the 1982 crash of the video game industry, where consumers just got to a point where it just wasn't that special anymore, and the flood of games were low quality, and it just it just wasn't special anymore. And to me, Wolfenstein is a fantastic example of a game that. I would have settled for five years ago, but it's just no innovation whatsoever today. Like the art style is cool, like this uh, kind of sky captain in the world of tomorrow, but in Nazi Germany, it's it's kind of cool. But like the gameplay and gun mechanics are completely the same as I played in probably 40 or 50 games at this point. And it's just it, it's not exceptional. Uh, it's perfectly competent. If you want to go shoot Nazis, like that's great. But it's it's I I tried very hard to get into that game. No, I mean I again it's it's the reasons that and I will tell you after this week it there's actually something that's pushed it I think has pushed it off my list anyway. Okay, huh. we'll we'll get to that when I talk about what I've been playing this week. Okay, because I I'm I think I have changed what I'm going to be talking about. Okay, but. I think it needs an honorable mention only because of of a character that you haven't met yet in the game. Okay, uh, you're not. You're probably not going to play it anymore. So I don't know. If I, I don't think I can. If anyone yeah. wants my copy of Wolf and Stuff, yeah, I mean, Give me what, it. welcome to it. Yeah, sure. What, yeah, what what happened? Well, I guess I won't spoil it for Maddie. Don't spoil then, it. I'm going to play it too. I have okay. it. Okay, I have it. Right. I haven't played but it there, yet. There, there, there is a character you meet halfway through the game who is who is Jewish, obviously, because you meet him in a concentration camp, and he is not a the the kind of jewish character who you meet in most games okay and the the portrayal of judaism in this game in particular made it really important to me and beyond okay. to the point where i could forgive some of the things about the gameplay hmm. if that make if that makes sense to you well i'll be playing it this week so yeah so i i will grant you that the gameplay itself is not anything new but I felt like the story was once you got into it, uh, mm-hmm. once you got to a certain point to it. But I will I will absolutely conceive from a mechanical standpoint. It's nothing special. 
Okay. Yeah, I, I, I think there's a longer talk about that, but we'll save yeah. that for our Game of the Year show. Yeah. The other game that I played a lot uh, this week was uh, Shadows of Mordor. <laughs> And in Sorry. Georgia, I'm not just saying this because I'm concerned that you're a serial killer. <laughs> I am. I'm saying this. It is a. It's a good game. It's a very good game. Yay. It is a very good game. Um, I, I'm so happy you like it. I I have like an overwhelming apathy for the Lord of the Rings universe. That I can't fully explain. Like it's just hobbits and all of that. I don't I, like hobbits I, either. I, I hear I, you. I, I, yeah, I do not. <laughs> right, right. Or I'm Gollum a little bit of a hobbit. Up. Yeah, hobbit hater. Right. I really. Yeah. yeah. I I don't get into that universe, but I can evaluate this game from a mechanical, innovative point of view, I could say it's one of the best-looking games on PS4 that I've played. Mm-hmm. Um, the amount of detail that went into the ZBrush sculpt of every one of their orcs just genuinely shocked me. Like, the amount of work they made making all the orc commanders look different. Uh, the combat is very reminiscent of, um, you know, Arkham Asylum, mm-hmm. Arkham City, yep. like the combo bar- part of it. Um, and I was really surprised that, you know, the skin option, like the free patch to, you know, mm-hmm. make your character female, uh, it actually, like, she is animated gorgeously. And yeah, it's kind of a hack, but it's, it's good enough for me to feel okay playing it. Um, so this is a, a fantastic game that I would recommend to anyone. It is, Aww. however, hyper violent. Yes. It is, it is, <laughs> it is disturbingly violent. And, you know, I'm not I'm not someone that's conservative when it comes to violence. Like I love horror movies, uh, Mortal Kombat. I don't blink at. This is truly one of the most violent games I've ever played. Yeah. Um, and I I really do think the treatment of orcs is it, it's problematic. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to make you laugh, but I really do. Um, like orcs, like the imperialism standpoint, you mean? Or well, it's like. It's like if the orcs were portrayed as, like, unthinking creatures that were going to be out to, like, murder everything. Like, you don't think twice about killing the horde in Gears of War because they just go, like, you know, like, like you know, like, they just yell one word over and over. Like but zombies these, in any zombie yeah, game, basically. But, but these people are intelligent and they talk. <laughs> so the utter glee... And brutality by which you murder them, I I find a disconnect there because there's, other than them murdering his wife in the first scene, there's very little reason to go murder them. <laughs> so I I don't know. Um, it's a mechanically great game. It looks great. If you love Lord of the Rings, um, this is a game for you. I do stand by the, the my criticism that I think fridging the wife in the first five minutes of the game was playing up a dangerous trope but um you know i i i I, it's a good game it's a good game you should play it don't hurt me (laughs) i'm happy you like it i'm happy you enjoy it all right all right if you wanted to vote for that for the game of the year i just want to like say i am someone i want to point this out like i changed my mind on things i was i said smash brothers sucked and i played that a ton maddie because you really advocated (laughs) smash brothers i can i can advocate that for game of the year if you want to make that argument, I can see where you're coming from with that. Like, I could see where someone would say Shadows of Mordor would be the game of the year, too, because it is exceptionally well put together. What did you um, think of the Nemesis system? I thought it was really smart. 
I didn't like it because I kept dying, but, you know? <laughs> I didn't like it because they taunted me after. Right. I like that. I, I did, yeah. It, it made your death feel like there was a point it had, to it, yeah. like you weren't just doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. I just wish you could speed it up a little bit, because especially if you go a while without dying and then it has to catch you up, it's like a full, like, two minutes of people having, of, of people just, you know, having no, You can pass that. You can, can pass you? that entire part. Yeah. Yeah, oh. yeah. You can well, actually you not not do that. I So I usually didn't, actually, because it made me angrier. Because I would watch over these people leveling up and, like, level one characters. Because, like, you know, you would die. Like, a whole bunch of people would hack at you. And then one little level one guy would shoot an arrow and kill you. And then suddenly he's like, oh, I'm the greatest. I killed. And I'm like, oh, you didn't do anything. You're use. And so I get so angry I'd have to pass forward because. <sighs> Sorry. Okay. I think we might have to stop talking about Shadows of Mordor and, right. let, uh, and, and let Georgia calm down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I don't know Georgia at all. I don't know yeah. Georgia. Nobody knows the real Georgia, and we never will. It's weird. We Isn't it weird? Like, That's I feel like weird. every show, I'm like, who is Georgia really? And that I don't guy know. she brought to Boston. That, that could who have just been someone guy? she was holding at knife point. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. Uh. I, I do have to talk about one other game that I played that was so amazing. It was just absolutely amazing. Um, and, you know, full disclosure, I'm a huge Tomb Raider fan, and you know, this team gave me the game to play, so I'm just telling the listeners out there. But this is what I genuinely think of this game. So there's the there are the core Tomb Raider games, but there's also an isometric Tomb Raider game uh, that just came out. It's called Temple of Osiris. I am always looking for games to play with my husband, who's not as good at games as I am. Um, This game ranks with Smash as far as being a fantastic, amazing, extremely fun game to play with other people. Um, so the idea is like you're, you're trying to figure out these puzzles, kind of portal style. Every character has different powers. Like uh, Lara has a, uh, a repel she can shoot out and climb up walls, and someone else has this magical staff. So you have to like solve these puzzles in conjunction, and it is 10 out of 10 to play together. Wow. Uh, I just I cannot say enough good things about it. It is, um, yeah, I mean, come on, you guys have, have, boyfriends and you know husbands yeah. and wives like are don't you look for games to play with them yeah absolutely that sounds like yeah. a game that maureen and i would like a yeah lot. yeah that sounds great yeah, yeah. So it's 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 not at the point where you know sometimes you look at these games and you're like oh i hope it's not so hard i hope it's not so bad he can't play it yeah like with the combat because there is combat in this but that's not the case at all like the person that's better at combat can do the majority of that mm-hmm. and then it's just like sitting there together and like oh i'll use the staff here oh i'll repel over here oh jump up on this wire here so it's it's very cooperative and fun mm-hmm. okay. that sounds that. Awesome. i like that awesome. kind of game yeah okay so maddie what are you playing this week Okay, so I know that I was supposed to be playing my goaties for you guys, and I was supposed to be a good little co-host, but I, I really, I was really busy and depressed, and I only played Smash, and I'm sorry, That's but okay. I love Smash. But I did play one other new game, and I won't bore you guys by talking even more about Smash, even though I have more things to say about it. What? What is the new? What is the new? I'm excited. What's yeah, the new I game? Want, I want to know what to, what else you're playing. I want to know what the new game that you're playing. Well, Bree, I'll tell you about Smash later. <laughs> Georgia wants um. to know what new game you're playing, Maddie. 
Um, I always, I talked about this on the show once before. So for other people who are cheapskates like me, Starbucks offers these free games and you can just pick up the card and get a free mobile game. And so the free mobile game this month is this Terry Kavanaugh game that I'm extremely late to the party on called VVVVVV. That's six V's. And it's so hard, Steve, but it's so fun. What is this game? What is this game like? I want to compare it to portal only because it's a puzzle game but that might not be entirely fair because it's way simpler than that yeah it's kind of metroidy but it's puzzles and and much like portal there are rooms that you have to get through and you you got to get from room to room and solve the puzzle of each room and you have infinite lives lives don't matter in this game so that's a relief because you die a gazillion times and you immediately respawn which is which is very nice um so you i think the v's are the title because there are a lot of spikes in this game and the v's uh is sort of convey the aesthetic of all of these spikes that you're avoiding and so there are two mechanics moving forward and backward with one hand and then switching the gravity of the room with the other with the other thumb because it's touch mechanics on on an iphone and uh so you can be walking on the ceiling or you can be walking on the floor and sometimes there are spikes on the ceiling and sometimes there are spikes on the floor and sometimes there are enemies that you have to avoid and you have to keep switching gravity and it moves really quickly and it's really fun and i'm at a room and i have absolutely no idea how to get out of it but i'm sure i'm gonna figure it out eventually and every time i do figure out a room i feel like a super genius which is always nice about puzzle games so yeah i recommend it yeah it's a really that's a really fun game it is, and it it's like it already got a gazillion accolades. Like everybody but me has already played this game. So, but that meant I was really happy to pick it up for free. Hmm. Yeah. And yeah, it's definitely worth checking out. And I I love Terry Kavanaugh's other games too. So he's worth a Google if people have not heard of him and they like yeah. little puzzle digital games. He's better known for Super Hexagon. Yes, yes, which is also impossibly hard. That game is awesome. That's fantastic. It's so good and so hard. So the, yeah. I would say like. So good and so hard is how I would describe most of his games, but he yeah. has a lot of other really great ones. I just yeah. want the next time I hang out with Jen Frank, like I just want her to like read all the lines from that game to me. Yes, <laughs> just go like, yes. come on, Jen. In her soothing, soothing voice, say begin to me. Come on, do it. <laughs> I'm sure she's never had anybody ask her to do that. I think yeah, she has. No. She actually has people ask her that all the time yeah. in a weird way. But whatever, you know, you you should do it too because Jen is extremely patient. <laughs> I actually shouldn't do that to her. I don't. Yeah, uh, you yeah. should just give her a hug and tell her that she's great. That's yeah, what you should I'll do, do that. I'll do that. We've been there. Like we're yeah. part of the same war at this point. So, oh, poor Jen Frank. Anyway, Steve, what are you playing? All right. So really quickly, the game that I'm not the game that I want to talk about, but I'm going to talk the one the uh, one game that I played. I did try Far Cry 4. I got it from the library randomly. Like I went to the library and was just sitting there. <laughs> really? I didn't even know that. Like I knew my, my library rent like lends out video games. I didn't know that they had any for like PS4 and Xbox One, but apparently they do. So maybe my I, library has a Vita. Maybe your library has a Vita. There you go. You can have mine. <laughs> so so i i figured you know we we talked about it. i'm like i haven't played a far cry game in a long time other than blood dragon let me give it a try so i played it and brree how you felt about wolfenstein is how i felt about far cry 4 hmm. to be wow. honest with you wow no, i felt cool. like first of all there was 10 minutes of a cut scene of a story that i just could not care less about and i felt like the character of pagan min as he was portrayed at least at the beginning of the game is just like way too much of a cartoon villain for 
how serious of a game the rest of the game was. Like he felt like he belonged more in Borderlands than in than in a game like this. And so, but I, you know, I I powered through it. I went through the stealth gameplay, like the stealth first person gameplay. I just felt like I played this game like a hundred times before. And I so, but I was willing to give it a shot. And I went through and I played it on my bike. And I played about you know forty five minutes of it. I got to a checkpoint and I it does it doesn't have any way to manually save. So I just, you know, said, okay, well, I got to a checkpoint. It's letting me go to the, back to the last checkpoint. So I shut it down. And then I went to play it again the next morning. And it said, gameplay, eight minutes. Oh, no. So I went back, and it was right at the very end of the first cutscene. And I said, I'm not doing this again. And, I, and that was the end of it. Oh. Hmm. And I, so I'm starting to think this is, uh, this is the same problem I had with Valiant Hearts last week. And I'm starting to think this is a Ubisoft thing. And it's really kind of frustrating because it's uh, you know it's it's a perspective that kind of assumes that you're going to be somebody who's going to sit there and play the game for you know hours at a time and make sure that you finish a mission before you shut it off and that's not how i play the game so it's not it's just not something that i can play so and yeah i just want to say like however you feel about a game like that's fine all all of that totally respect it when you told me last week you were going to play this on your bike i was i was very worried because far cry is not a game that you can go through and just aggro your way through like no i wasn't and i wasn't and i wasn't playing it that way i was playing it the right way i was you know sneaking around I was, you know, throwing meat at the bears. But how can you do that if you're, like, how can you line up a sniper shot if you're pedaling at the same you'd, time? You'd be surprised what I can do on the bike, Bree. <laughs> all right, all right. I, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm, I'm pretty good with that, to believe, believe it or not. No, I, I believe it because, like, you know, like, finishing Final Fantasy thirteen while yeah. running at eight miles an hour, like, I know where you're coming from. Yeah. So, so I was playing it the right way, but it's it's not compatible with me being able to cut to to have to shut it off at the time that I'm done with my with my workout. Mm-hmm. Okay. So and, and I you know, I've never seen other than Ubisoft, I've never seen a game that either doesn't let you manually save or doesn't save the game when you reach a checkpoint. But wait, you can manually save. Not, I do that not all the that time. I, not that I saw in the in the menus. Maybe I'm missing something. Yeah, I mean, I played it on Xbox, but yeah, maybe it's maybe or it could be a PS4 thing. I don't know. Yeah, it didn't. I was looking around for some place to do a manual save. It wouldn't let me. Mm. I don't know. I saved it all the time. Maybe maybe I missed it. Maybe 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 you can send me a screenshot. Maybe I'm missing it. I'll give it another try if that's the case. But I didn't really like. I got to that point again, and it's like I don't really want to do this again. Mm. No, you know what I mean. I feel you. So, but the game that I did play, and this, I'm coming around to this is going to be my game of the year candidate. Is this War of Mine? Which, I've what is heard it of this. This War of Mine. This War of Mine. Okay. So this is a game that takes place in 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 a war. It's it's supposedly it's kind of loosely modeled after the Bosnian War. Um, but you play not as somebody who's taking place in the war, but you're taking place as a civilians who are being affected by it. So it starts out that you're in a house, and you're kind of getting an idea of what your supplies are, and you're you're making a bed to sleep in and you know you have to make food and just kind of try to get yourself through the day and then at night one of the people goes out and scavenges for supplies so every every day you're going and and kind of keeping yourself alive and every night you're going out and trying to scavenge for supplies cuz that's the only time that it's safe to go out and it's kind of like the most depressing sims game ever oh um but it's really it's really really powerful in the way that it that it communicates things like one one night pretty early on 
like the first couple nights you go out and it's like it's an empty house and there's pl- the the fridge has got plenty of stuff in it and you can just kind of take whatever you want and then you can go back and then you're fine and then what starts happening is that over the nights you'll get raided and somebody will take half your stuff or you'll go and you'll you'll start exhausting those sites and you'll have to go further to, to houses that are occupied so one of the scenarios you go in and there's like an elderly couple in the house uh-huh. and they see you and you know you never know what's going to happen when somebody sees you you don't know if it's going to be like you know well come in and just take what you want or if it's going to be you know somebody's going to have a gun or st- what happened with the elderly couple is that the guy is you know sitting there like why are you doing this to us pleading for his life please don't take the medicine my wife needs the medicine in order to live and you know like following you around the house as you're going through but and on the one hand, you obviously you don't want to hurt the elderly people. On the other hand, you need to be able to get food in order for yourself to survive. So it puts you in in all these situations where you're doing what you need to do, but knowing what the the effect is going to be on the people who you're who you're you're scavenging from. And on top of that, you come back the next day, and then the the people who have done this have to live with the repercussions of having done that. So. The guy who, who scavenged and stole from the elderly people the whole next day, he's going around, walking around, muttering to himself, I can't believe I did that. I, you know, I don't know how those elderly people are going to make it through with me having taken all this stuff. I don't know what they're going to, how they're going to survive. And just kind of really, really kind of brings home all the different decisions and all the horrible situations that the people who are affected by this war that they're not participating in um, are affected by. And the other thing that it really grabbed me is that it creates a sense of tension when you're going through this in a way that no survival horror game has ever done to me. Mm-hmm. Oh. Like, I really feel like when I'm looking around, like, you're, it's a, it's in a 2D perspective, and you're kind what, of... What game is this again? This War of Mine? This War of Mine. What platform is it it's, on? It's uh, Steam. So I'd have to play on PC? Yeah, PC or Mac. Uh. Yeah, but it's... So you're going in and you're and you're kind of sneaking around and you see kind of like these red circles when there's somebody so you know that there's somebody around but you never know if you're going to walk in and somebody's going to see you and then they're going to have a gun and and start chasing you and it's really like the tension is incredible and the 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 feeling of what it's like to be in this situation is incredible and I think the game is is absolutely fantastic and I'm really only 2 hours in I haven't even seen what think what happens when things really get bad. Okay. So I I can't I can't recommend this game enough. I think it's really really fantastic. I'll try it out. Yeah. I just don't know. I don't know if I can. Uh, it's oh, tough. The trauma. I don't know. I'm not so sure about that. That's the only thing is. But yeah. again, I'll play it just to see if that yeah. how much that bothers me and and yeah. Uh, yeah okay. Yeah. It's it's it can be very emotionally jarring at times, and especially the first time that I came back from scavenging and. And you know, took something from other people, and then saw how it affected that person the next day. It was it was heart wrenching, but it's so it's it's this is what I want a game to do. Like I've I look for games to make me feel something, and this right. it right. really makes you feel something. Right, right. Yeah. Huh. Anyway, so now that I've brought us all down, Georgia, why don't you tell us about Journey? Okay, well, wait before <laughs> you actually before you tell us about Journey, Georgia's probably going to spoil Journey. If you haven't played Journey and that bothers you, this is the equivalent of Jason Snow's spoiler horn. So. Um, thank you for listening and we'll, I'm going to try not to do too much spoiling, but yeah, it might, it, it, it might a little bit, but I'm going to try not Just to actually spoil do it. it. Yeah. That game has been out for like, what, three years? Who cares? Yes. 
That, I'm only saying I, I tell talk about whatever you want. Don't worry about spoiling people. I yeah, just yeah, know yeah, that yeah. there are. We just did the warning, so you can spoil everybody. Okay. I know people get well, really sensitive about that. So I totally, I totally with this hear that. with this totally game in particular, Brie. Well, I totally hear. I totally hear. I don't know why. Well, yeah, like why this game in particular? I don't know, what? but it is. Well, I'll I'll give you mine because John I'll Syracuse it talks it up so much that you need to go in completely unspoiled. So uh, okay, whatever. well let me let me go into my entire experience. So I got all of the feedback of how to play Journey. I did break a rule, so everyone's going to out me because I spoke about it on Vector, and my husband outed me. But um, I played it in my movie room, so I played it on a ten foot screen, uh, seven point one surround. Um, I sat in the front of the movie room. My husband didn't, I'm like, you got to play the game alone. Anyways, he did sit in the back and would come in and out. I really did not know if he was coming in or out because I played it with full sound and it was really interesting. And I don't know if this is what bothered you about the game or, or you found this tension is that I'm, I'm like, you know, a type A personality and I like to do everything, do it right, you know, complete everything that you have. And there's really no, I didn't know what I was doing in the game or if I'm doing the right thing, or am I going in the right direction? Because it's very open-ended. And that was, that I found a little bit disconcerting because I'm not sure what am I supposed to do? Why am I doing it? And what's happening in the game? Um, and so I'm playing this game and you, it's, it's beautiful. It's very stylized and it was really beautiful. And I love the feeling that the game gave because um, I think that, that John gave the best advice to just breathe and just let it go. Like just don't question it. And, and so I had to do that because I'm like, I don't know if I'm doing this right. And then the game gives you these subtle clues of when you're, you know, it, it leads you in the right direction. What I loved about the game was the feeling that you got from it. In a part of the game, you start to like fly and float and the music and the fear in certain parts. It was really beautiful. Like I actually was brought, I'm an emotional person already, but it really did bring me to tears in two parts of the game. And I don't even know why it's kind of an experiential game where you get this feeling and this, I don't know, you really just felt what was happening with your character. And I think that by playing it in a really dark room where you just see the game and all the way from the beginning and not rushing it, I loved that feeling. Like I love that feeling of floating and flying and gathering and you had this emotional connection I had this emotional connection with my character and what they were going through and I thought that it was really beautiful I thought it was a really neat um experience to get to go through that I I like experiential experiences and and I really did get that through the game so I thought it was pretty pretty awesome it was a it was a neat game to experience and I'm happy that I was fortunate enough to get really good advice um you know, of how to play it. Maddie, you gave some really good advice also on how to play the game so you got the most out of it. And I think that if you didn't do that, if you played it in a game, a room filled with people, or if you weren't in the right mind frame, I don't think that you would have gotten that from the game. So I I actually appreciate everyone's advice to how to play it, though I did, like, break the rule. There was someone else in the the room, but they weren't. I didn't interact with them. You did fine. I played it with people, and that wasn't the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. (sighs) I mean, I don't, I don't know that I would have, I, I know people are completely obsessed with this game and it's not, I didn't have like the life changing experience with it. And I think part of that is because I was playing it with people who were like making jokes, but yeah. also, yeah. yeah, also like, that's not, eh, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not the kind of person that 
would be into this. I'm just I'm just an old Scrooge. Exactly. I think it's kind of like a Zen game, right? Like it's a game where you have to be able to just let go, which was hard for me. Yeah, but like honestly, like this is just as a person who plays so many games, I felt like I could see the tricks it was trying to pull yep. in a way. Yeah. Like it is the hero's journey. Like if you've ever read what the hero's journey is, journey is the hero's journey. Like that mm-hmm. that story of of um like you know luke skywalker the first star wars is the hero's journey and the first harry potter is the hero's journey like there's an old man and he dies and you make 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 friends and then your friends overcome i mean like i i could like see all of that but even though i'm a total scrooge about narrative structure i still think journey is good and I still recommend it to people and I still tell them that they should play it alone because at the very least they can have a better experience with it than I did. And I still think it's an important game. Like it's not my favorite game of all time, but I still think it's really important and I'm glad it exists. Yeah, I think that I liked the fact that it was such an open game that you could if you wanted to. And again, I think that you have to be in the right game, uh, mind frame to play it mm-hmm. and have the right want for it. It's like certain movies I'm like, I can't watch this movie you now. You have to be like, I want the hero's journey you have to already be like i'm ready to watch star wars here this is the feeling of wonder that i'm going to have is that same sensation it it was more to me zen than star wars well yeah but you you know what i mean in terms of like the joy and that that narrative yep yeah. yeah. And I like the fact that because it was uh, there weren't like texts and it didn't give you a straightforward, you could really impart on what this was about on your own. Mm-hmm. And so I think that for a lot of people, um, and I think that John was talking about how people like, you know, that were dealing with, say, death or a hardship or getting over something, they could put that into what they were playing. And I think that that's really nice for a game to be able yeah. to allow that. And I don't think that every game can do that. Um, and I think also the length of the game was perfect. I think that yeah. if it was a longer yeah, game and I had to play it for three times, I'd be like, eh, no. I think that they made some really smart yeah. moves to that. Yeah, it was just at the point where the gameplay starting to get tedious that you end up. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. No, I completely agree about the yeah. length and like the character design, everything about it. I, I don't, I wouldn't change anything. I think the only thing that I wish were different was that I wish that other developers had looked at that game and thought about how to improve upon it. Like how to have a game where there isn't any text and where the character is sort of genderless and sort of taking that concept and running with it and just having a wordless game that relies entirely upon show don't tell as a technique. Like I would really like to see more games trying to push the envelope there and Journey is really the only one. And I, I just think that's kind of a missed opportunity. I'm going to make some enemies with this statement. <laughs> no, it's fair. I feel like I just did too. <laughs> I'm going to make some enemies with this. To me, uh, Georgia, when you're getting so much peer pressure about this game, that you're using phrases like, I got outed by my husband for not playing it exactly this manner that X, Y, and Z told you to play it. At that point, I think we're getting from a point where the intrinsic value of the game is A, B, or C, and it's become like a social myth. 
And I think part of the experience of Journey, sadly, at this point, is so many people are telling you how fracking amazing it is <laughs> that you have to, you feel it like builds up. It's, it's like it's like the opposite of the Mass Effect 3 ending, where everyone's like, the Mass Effect 3 ending sucks. Mass Effect 3 ending sucks. And like going into it, you're tainting. You're like, what's going to be horrible about this? Why should I be mad? This is the opposite of that. But usually that for me, and, and uh-huh. like, I don't think it's the best game ever. Um, right, but I I usually when something is built up for me, it usually doesn't hit anything. Like there's very few games that I'll feel something from or I'll get really attached to, right. and I'm not like. And it made me feel something, which I think was for it a win because usually it's the opposite, right? They, people say this movie is going to be amazing, and I go in and I'm like, I don't get it, right? I'm like this right. movie, I don't know why everyone's talking about it, which could could have also happened to that. You know, um, and I think that people usually gave for this effect, I think they gave good advice for how to get more from it. And I think that I I, I appreciated that. I just thought it was really cool that, you know, I got a benefit where other people might not have because you don't know. Like, it's one of the great things about listening to podcasts like this one is that you can get more out of something than you would have if you hadn't have done it in a certain manner. Which right. I think is just cool. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the the you have to play it a certain way is not you have to play it a certain way, but there's yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's more of like if if it trying to make you maximize the experience of it, and and I yeah. agree that it's it's kind of gotten blown right. out of proportion right, to right. some totally extent. Get that? Yeah, but I, I think that a lot of it is want people wanting someone else. It's like a lucky ten thousand type of thing. Yeah. Where it's like, this was ex- amazing to me and this is the way I experienced it. And so this is, do what you, you know, it's not like you need to, but, you know, to get the best they experience out joy. of it. You yeah. know, they want to yeah. share the joy because they enjoyed it in a certain way and they want to give you tips so that you can enjoy it as well. Um, and I, I like that. I think it's also like a product of its time too. Yeah. Like it, like when Bioshock came out, the twist was a huge deal. But now if you go back and play Bioshock again, you're like, oh, I can totally see this coming because every game has copied that twist since right. then. Right, right, and right. So, and Journey, like I can look at it and be like, oh, this is the hero's journey. But that's only because I analyze media for a living and that's what I think about all the time. But a lot of people when they play Journey – a few years ago, it, it was a very big deal. And and I, Georgia, I think you were kind of lucky because you missed a lot of that hype. So yeah. in a way, you actually got to have the experience with this game that everybody had when it came out, as opposed to what happened to me, which was I didn't play it. I already knew all the spoilers for it. And then I played it with some other people in the games industry who were very snarky about it while I played it. And in spite of that, I still enjoyed it and appreciated it for what it was. I had everything going against me on it, but I still, I can see why it's great. I think it, I think that it could have done more or whatever, or developers could have taken the idea and run with it, but like, whatever it is, what it is. I, mm. I don't know. I'm not going anywhere with this. Somebody else talk. <laughs> Bree, Bree, you were, you were, um... yeah, Bree, I interrupted you. Journey sucks. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well then. On that note. I'm sorry. No. No, 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 no. no. You're not going to Where can we find just... everyone? Yeah. I want to hear Brie tear Journey where, and Brie, where one. can we find you to send you tweets about Journey? No. <laughs> no, 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 no. I want to know what she thinks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Please, Look. please. Look, there are so many freaking 
genuine emotional experiences in video games, okay? Like in Final Fantasy 13, which is a game that everyone blasts. So you have Vanilla in that game, and Vanilla's this sweet, lovable girl who's like brimming with life. And we find out she's really from Pulse, and like she's Ragnarok, and when she sacrifices herself at the end, like that is a freaking moving, horrible moving emotional that experience that, that means right. something to me yeah. Yeah, holding yeah. freaking down an x for like two freaking hours on the <laughs> ps3 in some glorified game that i can't figure out how the frack they spent 200 million dollars making out it is not <laughs> like an experience that like it's like nirvana okay it's just not <laughs> and that game sucks. And I'm tired of feeling like a bad person because I hate you that game. You don't need to feel like a bad person, but I think it's also valid that, you know, people do have an emotional attachment to that game. I'm, I'm tired of feeling like a bad person. Don't. I don't want you to. No, I love stuff like this because yeah. there are the so many line. things that I hate that everybody else loves. Like... Uh, like one of the things is Donnie Darko in case somebody wants to send me angry tweets about that instead of sending them to Brie this week. I'll take some of the heat off of her. Um, I mean, I'm like, the man like, who hated Terminator, for God's yes, sake. So, yes, you know, and like, honestly, still wrong. like with Donnie Darko and like even with so many other things, the issue is just people said it was so great and it just couldn't be as great as yeah. everybody said. And also, I just couldn't get into it for whatever weird reason i just couldn't get into it you know like sometimes it's honestly as simple as that it's just a weird opinion where you're just like i just can't get into this this is yeah. not me yeah. and anyway brie i hear the reason why they spent so much money was the sand mechanics just just that sand they really wanted the sand, the sand to I look love the way real the sand sounded too, so but from what that's i understand they pretty much spent all their money on sand which sand. is um, a well, choice, a choice you can make. It was make. in development for three years. Uh, yeah. so well, I, I, I think we need to end the show. Yeah. yeah so let's, let's, yeah. before we get on an, on an Anakin Skywalker <laughs> circa episode two rant about sand. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, this is the part of the show where we thank a couple of the people. I'm not going to go through everybody who tweeted about the show this week because there were so many. And we really Give do appreciate it. Give me the list. It. I'll do a PokéRap version of it. No, no, no. We're, yes! we're, we're, already, at, we're yes! already at an hour and four. I think this is our longest show. Is yeah. this our longest show? No, it's not because jo- okay. the show with John went longer, but Steve we're getting up there. Steve never gives me the list, but if he did, I would do a PokéRap. We'll, we'll give you a PokéRap next week. I will, okay. you, I will do that next that. week. Next week, I will give you the list ahead of time so you can prepare a PokéRap. I'll try to put everybody in rhyming order. So, so guys, okay. bear that in mind when you tweet this week. Try to rhyme your handles with one another. Thanks. Yeah. So we just want to – I'm not going to – read off everybody but just want to thank some people uh clover ws uh yulin her will wagner uh Kurtner, justin louis black lois lane uh misery confusion jamie gaming drama disturbed zero angel van smack uh the small margin celia dieter east sailor and everybody else who tweeted about the show thank you so much uh for telling other people it really does help us out a lot and and we really really do appreciate and keep Keep it up because, you know, the more people who find out about the show, the more people we get to talk to. And we love that. So you can also go to iTunes and leave us a review on iTunes. We really appreciate those. That helps us out a lot, too. And we read all those reviews and they are fantastic. So thank you for that. Uh, you can also find the show notes for this show and every show at 5x5.tv slash isometric or at isometricshow.com. Uh, you can send us email to feedback at isometricshow.com. And we're still taking recommendations for our clip show for the end of the year. So if you have anything that you want to recommend for that, preferably with timestamps, uh, please send that in as well. 
And you can follow the show, follow all of us on Twitter. The show's account is at Isometric Show. I am at Wicked Good. Bree, where can people find you? Sending, sending very calming, sweet messages to Georgia. <laughs> just like, just like any money that I find in my couch cushion, I'm just going to send it to Georgia. Uh, it's going to paint a poster on my, my house door. It says, Georgia's awesome. Don't hurt us. Uh, just, just, you know, keeping my family safe, basically. <laughs> That's all I'm going to be doing. Also, talking with law enforcement. <laughs> petition, what about petitioning, Georgia? Did you say your Twitter handle? I don't think no. she did. Right. And, no. and petitioning President Obama. <laughs> okay. And, and, Space cat girl. Okay. Thank you. And, where, and Maddie, where can people find you? I will be tweeting arcane facts about the various controllers that I use to play Smash Bros. at Samus Clone. And Georgia, where, where can people find you? At, at Georgia underscore Dow. So uh, thank you, as always, for listening, and we will catch you next week. Have a good one.